0: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football The show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game With me, Kevin Day and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire Kieran, Happy New Year to you um, It pains me to say it, but your, your club's having a Happy New
1: Year as well, Kieran Yeah, first time we've ever scored... Four goals away from home in the top division, um, and uh, yeah, it was it, it was it's it's good times. And, and I always say to people, enjoy the good times, yeah, because as a fan of a club like ours, you, you know that it can't last forever. But uh, yeah, absolutely loving it at the present. Yeah, good. I couldn't be more pleased for you. Um, we're recording
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're re- <laughs> we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, so who knows, Kieran? Well, if we play when we play against Fulham, we're in. Deep trouble if we play the way we play against Bournemouth. We might get a point from Tottenham. Who knows? And we've got a lot of news, Kieran, because um, (laughs) we've been off for a couple of weeks. It seems longer. um, And we've been filling the time for our lovely fans with some questions pods. But we're back with all the news that's fit to print, um, which is a pointless thing to say because we're not printing it. We're saying it out loud. West Brom, Kieran, are a team that have been floating around the radar for quite some time now. Um, and there's another story that, on the face of it, isn't a brilliant one.
1: Yes. Uh, the club confirmed a couple of things uh, during the Christmas uh, break. Um, first of all, it's it's borrowed £20 million from MSD Holdings, um, who are Michael Dell's company. It's going to repay it uh, over four years. We, we, we're not told the interest rate. But I'm anticipating somewhere around about ten percent, if uh, well, if previous yeah. loans or anything to go by. So therefore, it's going to have to go and pay back, you know, four years of interest plus the capital. So you're talking twenty eight million. Um, so and okay, well, okay, why are they borrowing? Um, it appears to be just for day to day activities, which, which which isn't good. You 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 don't borrow from a bank for short term financial commitments you know, you 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 wouldn't take out a mortgage to pay your groceries uh, or, or your electricity bill although with today's electricity bills perhaps mm-hmm. you would but it, it just doesn't sound great um so i think the fans are up in arms about that rightly so um secondly we've got the owner uh, gauchun Lai. he he borrowed um just under 5 million pounds uh, i think it was in march um That was supposed to be repaid in the summer of twenty two. It didn't. Then there was a, a deadline. And then there was another deadline of the 31st of December, which came and went. Um, and, he, and that money's not been repaid. So is there going to be any pressure from the club owned by Gao Chun-Lai on the borrower, effectively Gao Chun-Lai, to repay that money? It, it just looks um, uncomfortable. There's, there's another strange transaction. Um, West Brom borrowed £2 million from a company called Warm Front Holdings, who, who I believe are based in uh, Hong Kong or China, um, which it then lent to, and I quote, a related party, but the club has not uh, described that. Now, this was some time ago. That, that was in the accounts. That was paying interest on a monthly basis, um all seems a very strange um the club's also lent money to former owner jeremy peace that that was in many years ago that's not been repaid um and in the most recent accounts it had transfer cre- transfer fee creditors of 27 million so all of this is um concerning effectively you know west brom used to own the hawthorns uh, effectively debt free and now it still owns the Hawthorns, which is the good bit, but there's a there's a big mortgage out on it from MSD Holdings. We, we saw what happened, and I don't want to do you know complete parallel lines here with what happened at Derby County, but Derby County borrowed from MSD Holdings and things didn't end up too pleasant there. So um, there, there's a lot going on, um, and all of this takes away from the achievements on the pitch, which have mm. been very positive. I'm just
0: writing down, don't take bank loan for shopping. Uh, I'll <laughs> underline that. Um, if you want more on this story, we will be bringing you tomorrow, that's Friday by the time you listen to this, an interview with Alastair Jones from a fans group called Action for Albion, um, which we go into a lot more detail about this story because West Brom fans are very concerned about this. Interestingly, Kieran, Alistair seemed to have some personal sympathy for Ron Gourlay, the club chief executive, who it seems has taken out the loan because he seemed to think he had little option uh, to make sure the club got through to the end of the season. But the, the worry is, of course, that the money that the the owner, Mr. Lyre, was supposed to pay back in January, was he promised would be uh, for transfer spending in the window and parachute payments run out at the end of this season for West Brom as well. So these are all other little elements to the story that are beginning to look slightly worrying, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it's it's starting to snowball a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I think they are putting all of their eggs in the let's get promoted back to the Premier League basket, which is high risk, um, especially with uh, Burnley and Sheffield United are absolutely blitzing that division. So therefore, I think the best that West Brom can realistically hope for is to get into the playoffs um, and, and if and if that's successful then, then then we don't have anything to worry about. But it, it, it is it comes across as a gamble. Um previously um I think the club was planning to to pay Gauchen Lai um a dividend, which effectively matched the amount of money that he borrowed. So so they give with one hand and he pays back with the other. It all seems very untoward and, and I agree with you about the, the comment, you know, about Alistair's sympathy for Ron Gourlay. Um, I, I'm slightly more reluctant here, having spoken to contacts at both Chelsea and Reading when uh, he was uh, in, in relation to his mm. tenure there. Uh, and uh, not, not all of the comments were positive. I'll say no more than that. Mm. Uh, speaking of the
0: Premier League, where West Brom hope to be, they've been accused of uh, betraying a section of its fans and uh, on the face of it kieran this is not a financial story but of course it very much is a financial story uh, in the way that all stories about fans are financial but this one in particular certainly is
1: yes this is in respect to uh disabled fans so this was a this was a story which was run in the telegraph a few days ago mm-hmm. um and um you know we, we had the 2010 equality act it, it said that uh you know people should not be discriminated against and, and therefore getting access to football if, if you're a disabled fan should be something which is is made as, as available as possible um, by clubs. Um, and and what happened was the the Premier League pledged in 2015 that within two years um, there would be and, and I've been through the the Premier League handbook 338 mm. pages of it. Um, and the only reference to seating for disabled fans is that it's a single line where it says um, clubs should make sure that there is sufficient and adequate provision. Um, and, and we we have a situation now we're in 2023 where that's not arisen. So yeah, you know, there's been people who've done fantastic work. So there's people like Chaz Banks at uh, Manchester United who um you know manchester united's capacity has has been reduced because you know fair play to Chaz he's, he's badgered the club and um you know to to make the 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 accessibility to disabled fans far better um and uh you know football clubs if if we're honest and then this this is where the financial issue comes in they they're not keen on wheelchair bays because mm. you know f- from their perspective um, you know, one wheelchair bay. You could get six to nine seats from a from uh, a non-disabled uh, uh, seating there, and and they look at it purely from a monetary point of view. Um, so, so that's that's the issue. Um, certainly, reading some of the stories about um, disabled fans effectively being um, allocated an area. Uh, where the home fans are yeah yeah that you're, you're a fan of your club um and to be yeah patronized and marginalized in in such a way doesn't reflect in such a way but by all accounts the the worst club uh in terms of the reports is is aston Villa mm. um I think they're they, they were in with the home fans they were subject to abuse and, and frankly you yeah, know think that's a much more that's a much separate issue yeah mm. why on earth what possesses anybody to behave in such a manner um, is, is beyond me. Now I think they've got some sort of revised old telephone bo- television box um and also uh, quite often what we are seeing for um, disabled fans is that if, if they are seated with their fellow away fans, it's quite often they are behind yeah. the yeah. Um, behind the fans and you know we know that away fans tend to stand up when when they go to matches and I, a few years ago um I I was on crutches so I ended up in in a disabled area for for a couple of away matches and it, and it and it was it was pretty shoddy the way mm. that you were treated um a by the general population you know I I, I was fortunate I only had it for 6 weeks um of at, at, uh, at, at, at people attending matches but b you know the clubs in question um yeah you know, it's uh, you're on crutches it's your problem mate and 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 that's fine yeah you know, I, I but people have to do that week in, week out. is is pretty outrageous. So, um I think there are presently six clubs in the Premier League where they're, the the number of disabled fan bays in terms of you know, uh, accessibility are, are lower than than they should be on, on based on the size of the stadium. And that's Villa, Palace, Fulham, Leeds, Forest. When, when you reach the Premier League, you're given a two year. Acclimatization period. So, so forest is perhaps uh, perhaps shouldn't be and, and wolves as well. Um, the, the Premier League makes a lot of money. Um, yes, we, we know that uh, finances are tight and uh, fans want to see uh, clubs spend money on on their baubles in the form of expensive expensive transfers as well. But I also think you know the, the vast majority of fans also want to take pride in their club hmm. being as accessible as possible and this this yeah we often say in terms of what clubs have done during the pandemic and you know you've got palace offering the warm rooms which many other clubs have done as well and uh, you know for those people that um find it too noisy quiet rooms as well for for people uh, you know for for autistic fans and so on there's so much good work that's being done mm. but it's not good enough
0: I think the most pertinent quote I saw in that report, and I'm not sure if it was from Chas Banks or another campaigner, who said that when a Premier League, to, or when a championship team is promoted to the Premier League, they have six, eight weeks to bring the ground up to broadcast requirement standards, which will cost them five, six million pounds. So there's no excuse for not doing similar work for disabled fans, I, I have some insight into the problem at Palace because a good friend of mine uh, who passed away in the summer, God rest her soul, was was a disabled Palace fan. And she said there was an enormous amount of goodwill from the club to the disabled fans, but you can't get round the fact that Sellers Park is actually built in a hole. And, and either coming or going, there's going to be uphill bits which are difficult for wheelchair people uh, to manoeuvre. The ground was built at a time when no one cared about disabled fans, so it's finding the space. But other fans, as you say, would want that space to be found. And the club have said that it, the new stand, which will be open in three or four seasons' time, will resolve all the issues for disabled fans, which I hope is the case. But it, it shouldn't be that clubs are trying to make a little bit of extra money because, like as you say, a, a disabled bay will take up they could have five non-disabled seats I mean that's not not enough money to justify that uh, disadvantage, that inconvenience there was one very enterprising uh, disabled fan at Palace, it was a blind woman who uh, challenged Simon Jordan uh, because she also liked to drink and the stewards kept trying to stop her drinking and eventually Simon Jordan contacted her to say you're not allowed to drink within sight of the pitch and she said I can't see the bloody pitch (laughs) <laughs> uh, That's very good. And this went on for quite some time until Simon Jordan gave in, basically, and allowed her to, <laughs> to drink. Um, uh, fans will be protected, Kieran, from breakaway leagues uh, if your friend gets her way.
1: Yes. Um, I think we have made some progress. Um, uh, it looks as if there's been some there's been briefings of of journalists um, uh, just before the, the end of uh, 2022. With regards to an independent regulator, um, it looks as if there will be um, quite a few people involved. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be a, a head of the regulator um, appointed by a panel, so it, it will be pretty independent uh, assuming that the panel itself is independent mm. um and um, one of the uh w- one of the leak stroke proposals is that um any breakaway league would have to be approved by first of all the football association whom i think we have uh, mixed feelings about it does much good but uh has, has been absent without leave on occasions but secondly fan groups and you know if if the Football Supporters Association continues its fine work, then I think you will get that, that degree of comfort. Um, there will also be um, there'll be a lot of work done in terms of, and it will get very, very complex uh, in terms of how money is going to be distributed between the Premier League and the EFL. In an ideal world, the, the government under the new Prime Minister um, would much rather the Premier League and the EFL sort out their differences between them um but they do both parties seem to be digging their heels in the EFL want 25 percent of a combined uh, TV deal the Premier League from from what I've seen and heard are doing something with a number which doesn't include the two at the front of it it's, it's going to be somewhere in the teens. Mm-hmm. um so so that's that's going to be a, an awkward issue um the regulations in terms of distribution, I think, you know, they could be better than what we presently have from UEFA. Um, I think people that have been involved in this do have a background in, in regulation. At the same time, they don't want to, to scare off um, investors. So, so we, we've got a we've got a timeline. Um, we've, we've got a white paper which which I've been am you know, hoping could be in the next few weeks. Um, but but don't hold me to that. Um, with legislation coming in in 2024, uh, I, I think we're in a far better position than we were with the previous government uh, under Liz Truss, because um, the noises coming there was that they were going to completely abandon any form of regulation. That they were they were enthralled by the by the libertarians of the the Institute for Economic Affairs, who, who in my view were being used as the premier League's attack dog so I think we've made some progress at the same time there still could be three teams relegated from the Premier League every season there's still going to be you know two teams potentially three as we go forwards relegated from the EFL to the national league so it can't get rid of all problems it can't uh it can't get rid of all clowns who who buy football clubs because some of them are already in place but what I think we, we need to be realistic for in, in terms of expectations is is it can turn down the dial a bit um, you know we and some people have contacted me and said, well yeah you know, if, we, if we're not going to get rid of all these idiots um, what's the point in having it, it you know, and that's the equivalent of saying um, you know we, we've got a police force but we've still got crime so therefore mm-hmm. let's get rid of the police force you know, the whole point about having a police is that it, it is there to uh, offer. Uh, you know d- a discouragement towards crime and and and, and also a an bit ab- an ability to hopefully solve it uh, when, when it has taken place so and I think this will be the, the role of the regulator by all accounts the the football association and the premier League are still seen, are still wholly opposed to the regulator the f a thinks it it should be doing that role itself mm. um but th- there 's no evidence that it 's got the skill set to do so and, and the premier league is is just riven by self interest Fourteen
0: minutes into the first pod of 2023, it took you to mention the independent regulator, Kieran. So that's that New Year's resolution has gone already. Yes. Wait till the Baroness finds out about that Tracy Crouch tattoo you treated yourself to for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, our next story, Kieran, is a is a good news one for West Ham, but we should acknowledge that just in the last couple of hours. There was some very bad news for West Ham. Kieran, with the passing of uh, David Gold, who uh, was associated with the club for most of his life from a teenager and uh, did good things for them.
1: Yes, uh, and uh, I, I know that um, you know, many West Ham's refer, West Ham fans refer to GSB Gold Sullivan and Brady. Um, from my very very. Long term ago, uh, associations with one of the industries that the two gentlemen were involved with, mm. uh, David Gold um, was was a gentleman, um, and he, he did conduct himself. You know, he always tried to conduct himself in an appropriate manner. Um, can't say that about everybody in that industry, that's for mm. certain. Um, so, oh, so, you know, uh, you know, condolences to his family, and yep. you know he he had a he had a good and successful life, and and he was a, always a dedicated West Ham fan, and he owned,
0: um, he owned uh, Kieran. Either the the original FA Cup or the second version of it, so I I filmed at his house once, which was full of amazing memorabilia. Um, and I feel we should mention as well, Kieran, I know a lot of our listeners will have had personal losses over Christmas and the New Year, and a lot of our uh, fans, their their football clubs, will have had losses. Uh, and certainly, I'd like to mention two Palace legends of that sort. Right. The Palace family lost Maxi Jazz, uh, non executive director, and fine musician and also the best goalkeeper ever to play for England. John Jackson died over Christmas, who single-handedly or double-handedly kept us in the first division in the late 60s, early 70s, who was a true club legend. I know he played for other people as well, but he was ours. So our condolences go out to the families of both those people and to all of you who have lost
1: somebody over Christmas and New Year time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So... Uh, as far as West Ham are concerned, um, they, they published their um, 2021, 2022 accounts. and if matters on the pitch were as good as matters off the pitch, I, I think most West Ham fans would be having a pretty broad grin at present because um, West Ham to a certain uh, I think we can say that they've become the best of the rest in terms of for the first ter- for the first time in the club's history. It, it's generated more than a quarter a quarter of a billion pounds worth of revenue. Um, this is partly due to the, the London Stadium. The capacity there has been increased a wee bit. I think it's averaging now. I think it's now got the highest average attendance in London mm. um, so far this season. Um, so it, it brought in 41 million pounds from ticket sales. He's got more seats, but also it more matches. You know, West Ham people recall got to the semi final of the Europa League um, last season, and uh, you know, had they been successful, they would have they would have played Rangers in uh, in uh, in in Seville in the final, which would have been amazing. It would, I think I think Burberry would have sold record <laughs> sales in in Spain during those four days, without doubt. Um, but uh, the club's generated more money. It's it's made a profit. It's 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 uh, it's it's done that without having to increase the wages. And I think people will be surprised that that uh, that West Ham's wage bill looks like being lower than that of, of Wolves, Villa, Leicester, and Everton. So that um, they they did uh, from a financial perspective. Um, Perform pretty well, yet they still spent a lot of money on players. They also sold a lot of players. They've sold, they they bought players over the past four, five seasons, four hundred and eighty nine million pounds. You know, half a billion pounds for a club of West Ham stature. So mm. that's you know that is indicative of that there has been uh, trading. Appreciate things aren't working out as, as well as they'd like on the pitch uh, so far this season. Um, but there was also some interesting stuff um, with regards to the owners. Um Daniel Kratinsky um paid uh, £125 million pounds for 20% of the club. So that was that was cash injected into um West Ham. So if it's £125 million for 20%, that gives a value of 625 million for the club as a whole. You probably increase that price if for a control premium and so on. Um it looks like somebody at board level uh, got a one million pound bonus uh, in, in respect of that that investment. Mm. Uh, don't, don't they? They've not they've not said it who it is, but I, I took out a, a divining rod over over an alphabet, and and my divining rod came up with the initials K and B. Mm. I, I, I don't I don't know who that could be. Mm. Um. So um. So Daniel Kratinsky. You know, is a is a Czech Republic investor. Um, he he does appear historically to have uh, minority stakes in companies. Um, you know, we just mentioned David Gold and his his, his sad passing. Um, he and David Sullivan uh, of that 125 million pounds from uh, Daniel Kretinsky. Their loans, which were 53 million pounds, were repaid plus interest of of over four and a half million. So they now have no no longer. Uh, money lent to the club and I think it's always been a bit of a bone of contention amongst West Ham fans is that they see some club owners lending money to clubs interest-free and they say well our owners didn't do that Um David Sullivan's argument has always been he charges, and he and David uh, Gold charge a lower rate of interest than the banks would charge. So the club benefits, um, and you know it was they, they rescued the club from what was a fairly precarious position when it was effectively owned by an Icelandic bank when we had the uh, the crash in, in, in the late in the late zeros. So um, they are a they are a pretty impressive set of financial statements, um, but you know we don't fall in love with football. For balance sheets, and um, I think West Ham fans are getting a bit, a bit, a bit frustrated. But there's always going to be clubs in in the bottom half of the division where where fans are are un, are unhappy.
0: Well, yeah, especially when they had such a good season last season. So mm. I was going to say they they might be selling a lot of seats, but a lot of them are empty with half an hour to go. Just just for context, Kieran, uh, it, it's one thing to be the highest earning Premier League club outside the Big Six, but how far outside the Big Six does that lead them? Oh,
1: it's, it's still a long, long way behind. Uh, Manchester City, uh, 600 million. Manchester United, 500 odd. I'd expect Liverpool to report 500. Um, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal in the 400 to 450 bracket. So there is a significant gap. And you know, that, that gap allows the, you know, the sneaky six, whatever we want to call them, the Super League six, to... Um, not say have a monopoly, but certainly have a significant financial advantage when it comes to recruiting players. Hi, I'm Steve Lemack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry.
0: Now, for some reason, Kieran, if you you get into a a London taxi, a black taxi, and and I apologise if this sounds parochial for a lot of our listeners around the world, but if you do get into one of those taxis, and what finer sight is there on a cold, wet, windy night than that little orange light? But most of the drivers seem to either support Spurs or West Ham, and most of them seem to be saving up to retire to Southend. It seems to be a taxi driver's career route now. I don't know if it happens in the knowledge that they have to say that their final destination will be Southend. And Southend United, Kieran, we know that their owner likes a game of brinkmanship, but this time he's he's taken it beyond the brink. He's, he's got one foot off the brink at the moment,
1: hasn't he? <laughs> yes. Um, yes, yeah, Southend United, a club of... Been on the been on the podcast too often. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, an occasional mention is is quite often be good. Yeah, I mean, there's good stories as well as bad. Um, but uh, Southampton, sorry, Southend United have been given um, a striking off order by Companies House by the Registrar of Companies, and if they fail to um, deal with the the matters in hand, then potentially, and I think this is highly highly unlikely. good in two months' time, they will be struck off and um, the assets of the company will become the assets of the king. They, 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 they transfer to the crown. So you might be saying to yourselves, well, why on earth has this happened? Um, well, Southend United haven't published any accounts since 2019. So we don't know what's happened in 2020 or 21. You know, the 2022 accounts, are, you know, they're not due out yet necessarily. Um, and it, again, it, it comes back, as, as you rightly said, Ron Martin seems to get some form of enjoyment out of trying to game the system as much as possible. Um, he, he's done this with the, the holding company to the football club, and, um, there have been issues in terms of wages. There, we have been contacted by people at the club saying, um, quite often, they're reliant on um, payments being made by people who shouldn't have to be making those payments. Mm-hmm. And I say no more than that. Um, you know, he he wants to rel- relocate the club um, with, I think, it's a place called Fawcett's Park. Um, and if that is successful, then then Roots Hall can be sold for. Retail or residential, and that that could be lucrative. My view, and I think, yeah, we've both been to Southend as as away fans. It, w- it will be such a shame because it's in such a central place. Uh, it's, it's, you know, if you go there on a Saturday, in, in particular, it's it's uh, especially as, as uh, a sunny Saturday. You, you could even cope with a two or three nil defeat, <laughs> uh, such as such as the enjoyment that you'll have beforehand. Um, so it, it is a uh, it is a less than ideal situation um and i suspect ron martin will will pay up or uh, you know produce the documents which are required to be required to be submitted but but too often he's he's going into court with the likes of hmrc and you know we we're not going to slag off the legal profession because they we know that they do a professional job but they're just picking up money for old rope um in this um and it just seems that that money is is leaking out of of football um, unnecessarily, yeah. You know, there are times when I think you it's absolutely right that you need legal advice on particular issues, and uh, you know, we, we've got friends in the legal profession, and they provide a very professional service. This just seems to be doing doing it for for some type of vicarious in vicarious enjoyment by Ron Martin. I just I just don't see the logic behind it. Well, it, it doesn't seem to have occurred to him that he could actually save himself
0: millions by not paying lawyers. Which is the odd thing. Um, yes. I, I, God, forbid, God forbid this should ever happen, but it's a rather pleasing image that just a couple of weeks before the coronation, King Charles, and I, I can't do impressions, as you know, that King Charles says to his secretary, <laughs> anything in the post today? Well, yes, South End United, Your Majesty. <laughs> You're you are now the new legal owner of Roots Hall. Oh, I shall, I shall pop down there. Are they still in the Caramel Cup? Um, some big news coming out of one of the smaller clubs in the northwest, Kieran. Yes,
1: yes. Um... Uh, about a year or so ago you know, we south or rochdale were in south end's position you know lots of lots of appearances on the show um disputes in respect of ownership um, and then the the club you know and you know fair play to the fans involved at the time they managed to escape the clutches of uh, morton house which i think was the the company involved but um, the news which is coming out of uh, of rochdale um, and, and it's always Spotland to me. I know it's yeah, now of officially the Crown Crown Oil Arena. No, 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 no. No, no, it's Spotland. Yeah. Um is uh the club's predicting a loss of 1.2 million pounds in in season 22, 23. And if you are a fan-owned club, you've then got an issue. If if there's a single owner, you normally say, well, you know, the owner has bought the has bought the football club it's the owner's responsibility to effectively to fund those losses. Um, in the case of a, a, where you've got a far more disparate uh, and, and fragmented ownership base, which which is great for anybody who knows their history and the cooperative movement and the whole concept of, of how Rochdale was set up, um, getting individual fans to say, well, I'm going to stick in an extra X, Y or Z, is, it becomes more difficult. So therefore, what the, what the board of Rochdale have said is they want to raise over a million pounds via a new share issue. So that would be 450,000 shares issued at a price of £2.35 each. Now, if somebody bought that, um, they would end up with with uh, 33.3% ownership of uh, Rochdale. They bought all of those shares. And so clearly anybody who is potentially considering a takeover of the club, that would put them into a strong position. Um if if the uh, if if a proportion, I think if it's more than ten percent of the shares go to one individual, it could be that the EFL would have to give their approval to that. Um, why, if you were a Rochdale fan, would you want to buy shares? Because yeah, you know, we, we we all know that that uh, finances are tight on an individual basis. Um, it, it comes back to those those four reasons: you know, profit, love, vanity, and insanity. And I can't see you making a profit from buying Rochdale shares. Um, you know, with, with no disrespect, because I've I've been to to Rochdale when I when I started life at university. I used to go to Rochdale practically every Friday night because they were one of those clubs which used to play on a Friday night. Um, um, so I used to go there. It's it, it's it's not a vanity part of Manchester. Uh, you know, it's it's a good solid working class area. Insanity, well, you know that. that, that I'd rather not. So you're buying it out of love, mm. um, and and you've got to have the resources to do so. So it, it's not a great position for, for Dale to be in. Um, they're also 23rd in League Two. Um, so if they, if they are relegated to the National League, they will see a significant reduction in their income stream. So, um, yeah, a, a cause for concern.
0: Yeah, a club in a similar situation, Kieran, uh, form wise at least, is Crawley Town. Uh, and they seem to have one of those unusual grounds where the seats in the dugout are more comfortable than the seats in the director's box, which you can imagine is the only reason why the co chairman ended up uh, watching most of their recent game against Stevenage from the dugout and not the director's box.
1: Yes, this, yeah, the, the noises coming out of Crawley are. Increasingly concerning. So, mm. so here we're talking about Preston Johnson, who is there uh, one of the sort of the co-owners. Um, he published something on the, the club website recently. Um, Matthew Etherington was was appointed as manager um, of Crawley Town in November. Thirty four days later, he was sacked, or he was removed from his position. Um, now. I have seen some tweets uh, which have been subsequently uh, deleted by Eben Smith who is another co-owner and he seemed to infer that Matthew Etherington quit the job which seems a bit strange. Um, then there was and there's also some from other some fairly derogatory stuff which we should you know should probably just as well as deleted. Yeah we, we can all have a bit of fun and games in social media mm. if we want to but if, if you're a football club owner, that that does come with a certain degree of gravitas. Um, then, uh, after uh, after relieving Matthew Etherington of his duties, um, how how can, how can you prove yourself? You know in 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 that period of time, I don't know how. Um, Preston Johnson uh, put out something to say, "I'm I'm coming across. Um, I'm going to give uh, players who haven't had much of an opportunity play, to play an opportunity to play." Um, you know, there's there's probably a reason why more than one manager hasn't been playing these these mm. players. Um, and he said, "Right, I'm going to I'm going to watch the match from the uh, from the dugout." Um, there have been allegations, and I've got no idea. It, this could just be idle gossip that uh, somebody had to explain the subs rule to him, um, which you know, yeah, that could just be somebody having a bit of jesting. Um, In addition, he was supposed to have a meeting with the Supporters Association, um, which he subsequently said, I can't attend due to sensitive legal issues. Now, I I find that somewhat strange because having attended um, many meetings um, at a professional level myself, if there are things of a sensitive legal nature, you simply say at the start of the meeting, we are unable to discuss Mm. matters X, Y, and Z, and there will be uh, you know, if any questions are asked, you'll be asked to leave the room. So, so that's the way of dealing with that. Just to use that as a as an excuse um, in in respect of not attending a meeting with the supporters association to me does seem very strange. It, it does appear that these two gentlemen are are treating uh, Crawley Town as a glorified executive toy, which which uh, makes me feel distinctly uncomfortable um crawley are owned by a company called wagmi united and for those people uh, unfamiliar with what wagmi stands for it stands for we're all gonna make it mm-hmm. um wagmi is a um i think it's yeah you know, i'm not going to call uh preston johnson and Evan smith crypto bros but um they are involved in the 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 nft industry um from what I've seen, uh, and again, I, I can't clarify this and, and guarantee these, they they did try to sell NFTs uh, relating to uh, Wagme United and therefore indirectly um, Crawley Town um, last summer. Um, it looks as if that may have raised around about £3 million. And I think people who, who bought these um, uh, non-fungible tokens did get benefits such as being able to join in a poll as to which which type of player they should be signing here—a you know, defender, midfield player, or striker—the um, value of the NFTs does appear to have fallen by probably somewhere in the region of seventy to eighty percent. Um, the benefits of buying the NFTs um, were—I think—you got a shirt and a scarf. Some people are saying, and I, again, I don't know whether this is uh, this is accurate or not—is that. The scarf that the shirt appeared to be sort of a, a bog standard sort of template um uh, shirt, um which then had a sort of a, a heat pressed and and we spoke to, to somebody um about shirts recently, um a heat pressed uh, badge on it. Um so and then you know have I'm not sure that everybody's received these these benefits of, of buying the NFTs. So all in all, it seems very messy. And also, the club is at the uh, what's technically called the arse end mm. of, of League Two. Um, and, and therefore, significant financial repercussion should it be relegated. I'm
0: sure Preston Johnson is a delightful chap, but I'm not predisposed to trust anybody who sounds like a service station on the M4, to be particularly honest. <laughs> and we have had, it would be unfair to to name the the two or three people that... Right from the start of Wagme taking over, uh, advised us to keep an eye on that situation because th- it looked like uh, built on sand isn't the right it isn't the right thing. But certainly, a couple of reputable people told us to keep. It's a difficult situation for Crawley Kieran, because they are slap bang in the middle of two Premier League clubs, basically, aren't they? They've got Palace on one side, you on the other. That mm. um, they've never been a. Team with a traditionally big fan base, so you, you, your your kind of eyebrows were raised by why Wagby brought them in the first place. But they strike me as a team for whom relegation would be a particularly tricky affair, or it might be that they would still get the same amount of people going to each games. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, they're not not County or uh, Stockport or or Wrexham who. You know, could get if, if they're running for a promotion, are going to get ten thousand or, or, or more. Um, so you know, it, they they they've done well to come from non-league in the first place. They've done very well to stay in the uh, in, in the in the football pyramid as, as as well as they have done on you know very very modest crowds. But you know, as, as we've always said, if 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 you're a Crawley fan, you support your team as as, as passionately as somebody who supports Chelsea, or somebody who supports Celtic, or, or or whatever. So. Um, you know, they, they, there is this uh, there is this somewhat you know, patronising view that that fans of small clubs don't understand football. Mm. They, they do. They understand football just as well as um, those people who vicariously uh, enlighten their lives through supporting big clubs. Mm. Uh, we have three stories to go, Kieran. I'm not sure
0: entirely that the first one should count as a new story considering that we've generated it. Basically, we've we've just decided that this is. A, I mean, it's very good news
1: for Carlisle United, Kieran. But perhaps you could uh,
0: uh, elucidate.
1: Well, all I'm saying here is is I gave five stars to Carlisle United for for producing a set of financials, um, which were a they were audited, so you've got a little bit more confidence in them. B they were comprehensive; they had a very detailed breakdown, and, and B it shows that a club can. Um, in the lower leagues, run on a break-even model, and uh, and, and carry on trading. So um, it, it's just really to say, you know, well done to the people at Carlisle for, for for making, you know, after so many, you know, we've we've not had many good stories to date uh, in the show um, f- for doing the right things. Having said that, there is an elephant in the room uh, at Carlisle. In the sense that, um, whilst I think on a on a day to day basis the club is 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 doing extremely well and and you've got to give credit to the good cost control and and, and the way that it's being managed, um, it it did borrow money from a company called Edinburgh Wooden Woolen Mill mm. uh, about two two and a half million pounds and and that was fine. Until Edinburgh Woollen Mill went into administration, and the administrators sold that debt, as they are legally entitled to do, to a company called PurePay. Now, PurePay is is owned by the same guy that owned Edinburgh Woollen Mill, but I think he's being uh, I think he's fair to say he's been a bit coy. He's he's not saying whether he's going to ask for the money back, and the I think the concern is, and there's no evidence that he does want the money back, but. Um, yeah, why not just come out and say it? So, I think, I think there have been concerns amongst the, the fan groups is that why are we just not getting um, it, it? It means that everybody can go to bed at night not having to worry about this. Um, what's going to happen to this two and a half million pounds? If he's going to demand that money back, there's going to be complications. Um, and uh, uh, you know, somebody again, you know, all, all I can say is as an away fan, day out in Carlisle is fantastic. So, um, yeah, the, the club's, you know. Again, one of those areas of the country that, if it, if it wasn't for the football, I, I dare say I'd never, I'd never would have visited it, and and it's an absolute delight. Mm, it's a wonderful town, uh, and as you say, a great uh, away
0: game. Uh, unless it doesn't occur to you that it might well be warm when you leave London in the morning, uh, <laughs> but by the time you get to Carlisle in the afternoon, the temperature may have dropped a degree or two, and just having a Joy Division shirt and a Palace scarf on. Isn't ideal. Let's um, forget the £2 million loan, Kieran. Let's just uh, focus on the good news for Carlisle United. And if anyone from Carlisle United is is listening, there's even more good news. Producer Guy says, for a small consideration, he will laminate Kieran's five-star review and add to it a small trophy, which you can then display in your foyer. I think offers upward of 100 quid uh, were mentioned. So... Just, just a little New Year bonus for you there, all at Carlisle. Um, another United, Kieran. Uh, unfortunately, going through difficult times. Uh, we've mentioned Scunthorpe again, sadly, too many times this season. They're not doing particularly well on the pitch either. And now there's a new issue there.
1: Yes, um, and this is something to do with the football club, and it's not something to do with the football club. The the owner. The current owner, should I say, of Scunthorpe United is a gentleman called Peter Swan, and and for the sake of complete trans, trans uh, transparency, I can say now. transparency transparency transparency. Yeah. Yeah, transparency. Um, I I wrote an article a few years ago for one of the newspapers, um, looking at clubs who at the time I was financially. Concerned about, and I mentioned Scunthorpe, and and it wasn't in a derogatory way. Um, Peter Swan didn't like what I mm, said, mm. and, uh, and 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 lawyers were involved. Um, but I'm I'm not a person to to bear a grudge, and and in and in this particular issue, I actually have a, a degree of sympathy. Mister um, Swan um, uh, comes from a, a wealthy family. Um, I think it's fair to say he he enjoys a bet, um, and uh, he. Was in he's involved with a legal case with a, a company called Apollo Bookmakers. Now it looks like he has bet probably somewhere in the region of you know, perhaps twenty million pounds with Apollo Bookmakers, and he's wow. lost over four million. Wow! Um, and and I, I, I came across this 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 legal doc, these legal documents, which were supplied to me uh, by somebody uh, who's got who's got an affection for the club. Um, uh, and, and then the, it starts to become uh, a, a bit – it looks like a bit of a Netflix series is coming off the back of this. Um, Apollo bookmakers, like, like by all accounts, uh, many uh, organizations in the gambling industry, um, effectively had an introduction fee to, to somebody who, who brought them into contact, somebody who, who knew that Mr. Swan enjoyed a bet um they apollo offered peter swan credit facilities as i believe many bookmakers do Mm. for for high rollers and he was considered to be a high roller he he often went to vegas and he would be given credit there by by the casinos um um, and this uh the gentleman that was introducing was was a gentleman called terry Mm. um and uh Terry was Terry was given twenty thousand pounds, and then he was given a. I think the way it works is that you get an introduction fee, and then you get a proportion of the losses that are made. Mm. Um, and football clubs have have been on this commission as well, and, and I think EFL clubs um, have have been beneficiaries on the of this historically. Um, I don't know whether this Terry is the same Terry as. Uh, there's an article in the Evening Standard with somebody with exactly the same, uh, both Christian name and surname, who was uh, was done for fraud uh, involving uh, in, involving uh, a series of uh, branches of Labrooks, I believe. So it's, it's it's a fascinating story if anybody wants to to read the legal documents and sort of the claims and the counterclaims. Um What seems strange to me is is, is a couple of things. First of all, um, Mr. Swan um, owed apollo 1.6 million pounds and then they said well we we'll, if you if you give us 420 grand we'll just we we'll just write off the rest you know, that that does seem you know why, what what would persuade a bookmaker mm. to do that for somebody so rich um, and then the reason why i'm mentioning it here is that that Mr. Swan has said the the issues to do with Scunthorpe in terms of some of its financial challenges, and I think there have been you know people who have been unpaid and so on, um, have nothing to do with uh, with my personal circumstances, um, and you know I'm sure he's independently wealthy to be able to say that. But then when you take a look at the transcript of the legal case. Um, it did mention in 2018 he was saying to the bookmakers, um, "I'm trying to sell a. I'm trying to sell one of my racehorses, and b. I'm trying to sell the football club. And then, when, when those have gone through, I'll be in a position to to settle with you. So, so there, there's a few inconsistencies between what he's saying on the club website and what appears to have been, uh, you know, the, the the assertions made. And, and yeah, you know, these are assertions made by the bookmakers, and not by Mr Swan himself. Um. In addition, you know, as as we speak today, there are stories circulating that um, a a firm of accountants, stroke advisors, are uh, at uh, at Glanford Park and. Uh, uh, just, just to confirm, my, my geography is, has been improved. It's, it's not on the coast, Scunthorpe, as I once uh, erroneously <laughs> <laughs> asserted. Um, so, yeah, there, there seem to be a, a number of accountants. You know, a few accountants' cars. Um, are they trying to uh, find a buyer for the club? We don't know. Um, I've been told the name of these accountants and they they just happen to be the same name as as accountants stroke advisors who have been involved in a number of insolvency cases as well. Um, So so we'll have to wait and see what's happened there. We we could have something what's known as a prepack where um, accountants go in, work out the, the status of the business and um, then they, they sell off all of the assets. So you, so you end up in, in a board of pre-pack. You, you're, you're in administration for five minutes in the sense that um, you, you get appointed as administrator. You've already found a buyer because you've been doing some work beforehand. The buyer buys all of the assets and the liabilities stay with the company, which has been wound up. Now, whether the National League have any rules with regards to that, I've, I've not seen anything. Um, there are stricter rules, ironically, in the EFL. Um, but it's it, it's messy. Um, you can understand why Scunthorpe fans are a, a, a bit uh, a bit jittery at present mm. because you know it, it's their club and the relationship, I think, uh, between the owner and fan base has deteriorated.
0: I, I'll tell you who I feel sorry for, Kieran, apart from Scunthorpe fans, and that's all those perfectly nice people listening to this pod called Terry. I'm sure there are <laughs> lots of lovely Terrys listening both male and female and however they choose to identify who are called terry but it, 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 it's not a name that feels you full of optimism whenever a terry's mentioned on this show it seems to be in the context of bad news i'd also like to point out to our lovely listeners that i'm not a person like kieran to bear a grudge either especially when it's clear that the other person can afford better lawyers than i have i, I, I tend to <laughs> look, i'm very good at letting things go then kieran <laughs> um our last story <laughs> uh I mean, basically, the, the subject of our last story could buy and sell every single club we've spoken about uh, and was probably <laughs> yes. the most talked about. For I, I mean, I'm I'm quite pleased that Cristiano Ronaldo must be kin furious that Messi's won the World Cup, um, but his new move raised a few eyebrows over the festive period, not least because it, it turns out that he, I think he thought he was in South Africa rather than Saudi Arabia, but... <laughs> yes. He's been taking geography lessons from me. <laughs> same, same, same initials, basically. So, I mean, that's an astonishing story, Kieran, is it? But the numbers are so big, they almost don't register now, do they?
1: Yes. He, he's he signed a deal with uh, Al Yasser uh, of Saudi Arabia. It's a two-and-a-half-year contract. Um, he, he was probably the, the highest-paid player in the Premier League mm. when he left um, and that would have put him on probably. He was probably on around about twenty five million pounds a year mm. at at Old Trafford. Um, he's going to be on by all accounts one hundred and seventy million pounds oh, a year really at uh, Al Yasser. And, and to, to contextualise that, um, it's it's more than eleven Premier League clubs pay their whole staff, wow. uh, yeah, players, non players, executives, the full works. So uh, I think he would be. Uh, I think he'd be somewhere between Everton and uh, uh, Wolves in terms of his his wages at Al Yasser. Um, to, to put it in another form of context, or sort of, you know, we're we saying the numbers are so big. Uh, if, if we take a look at the the Championship, the the club with the the lowest wage bill in the Championship uh, for the last set of accounts I've got hold of was Barnsley. Um it would take Barnsley 16 years to pay all of their staff how the, the same amount as Cristiano Ronaldo is going to earn in 12 months at Al Yasser. Um, so you know he, he's uh, he's already a, a, an extremely wealthy man. He's going to be um, uh, you know ridiculously wealthy on on the back of this as well. Um, and, and he he described himself as a, as a unique footballer. But when, when I last checked. Every footballer
0: was unique. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he hasn't won the World Cup though, has he? So he's not that unique. I don't know what I don't know what you would do with all that. The only thing I can imagine I would do with all that sort of money is is buy a volcano and put a layer underneath it. I don't I don't see what else you can. Even then, you're going to have a couple of million left over. Anyway, um, don't forget, we have uh, tomorrow, Friday, uh, that interview with Alistair Jones, the founder of West Brom Fan Group Action for Albion. Uh, and it's a very interesting, passionate interview, regardless of whether you support Albion or not. In the meantime, thanks to everyone who's donated to the pod via our, our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, for the first time this year, I hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell.
1: Uh, well, uh, thanks for, for all your support. Thanks to people who've been in contact over the break. Um, yeah, we, we did put on the shows because we want to have a bit of continuity. Um, We we know that, uh, you know, as as Kevin said earlier, people have, have lost, uh, have lost friends and family and so on. I'd just like to give a a quick shout out to, to my son-in-law, Andy, who, uh, who's been awarded an MBE in the, uh, in the New Year's uh, honors list. Um, And he's an absolutely fantastic guy. He's, he's the dad to our two granddaughters and we're ridiculously proud of him. So, um, well done, Andy. And uh, if you if you uh, w- want to uh, support the show, uh, say something nice about us on uh, on podcast apps. And that's about it. Yeah. And all
0: I will say about those shows we did over Christmas and New Year that if I did forget that
1: Tosen played for Palace, that's his fault, not mine. <laughs> Frankly, I, I don't think many people. I don't think many Palace fans remembered him actually putting in a performance for Palace. Well,
0: I clearly didn't. I mean, allowing for the fact it was the third show that we recorded and there probably was some <laughs> Apple pie favourite Baileys going on. But <laughs> I, I, even when people told me, I still had to look it up. what is it two chenktosens? Uh, bye, everybody.
1: Bye. bye. I sent football.